Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, this is a big one. The 49ers, the Ravens, the MVP award, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. Hell, the second best odds to win MVP are with Lamar Jackson, who's on the Ravens. I think Christian McCaffrey's in the top five, obviously. Brock Purdy is the favorite, the odds-on favorite at this point. But, uh, I mean, just this confluence of events, of superstars, Monday Night Football, Christmas, everything. I mean, the NFL hit a home run with this schedule, Matt, because at least this game in this schedule, because these are two 11-3 teams, two number one seeds currently at this point, facing off at Levi Stadium. It is It is a gargantuan matchup. I, I try to go back and find when has there been a bigger Week 16 matchup. And you have to go back, I think, all the way back to the 1997 season when the 49ers hosted the Denver Broncos. And that was Mike Shanahan on the other side. And the Broncos would go on to win the Super Bowl that year. But the 49ers actually beat them on Monday Night Football at Candlestick Park, 34-17. to 17. So this is definitely... One to circle on your calendar if you haven't already. And I'm sure everybody listening has circled this on their calendar because it is a huge game on Monday night. Yeah, these two teams play high-profile games against each other. They don't play very often. Um, but uh, they had the uh, Harbaugh Bowl back in 2011. And I remember um, Jim Harbaugh being really upset that that was a Thursday night game that, uh, you know, he's playing his brother, his longest, most fierce rival. Uh, and um, not only is it Thursday night, but they're, they're having to play on the East Coast. So it really put the 49ers at a disadvantage. And then, of course, they played in the Super Bowl. Um, and this is uh, this will be billed as uh, the biggest game this year, a real Super Bowl preview against two teams that have some some similarities and, and some big differences as well. Um, I was watching the the Rams Ravens game from a couple of weeks ago because uh, the Rams runs uh, such a similar offense to the 49ers. And that was the one that the Ravens won in overtime on a punt return for a touchdown. And that's one of the Ravens calling cards. Uh, John Harbaugh is a former special teams coach. Their special teams units are always really solid. Uh, so Justin Tucker is their kicker. So um, I, I would say that's one of the areas where Baltimore has an advantage going into this game. Uh, how do you see the the teams matching up, David, otherwise? Where, where do the 49ers have their big advantages? You're absolutely right with the special teams. The 49ers are number 26 and the Ravens are number 8. And you, you mentioned all the reasons why why they're that high because of the the punt return touchdown they saw against the Rams to win the game, and Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the game. But elsewhere, these two teams 
are, have been historically good so far this year. When you look at the DVOA, defense, adjust, defense adjusted value over average measurements, the 49ers have been the third best team ever since this, this has been tracked, not ever. This has been tracked since 1981. 49ers have been the third best team through 14 games. They're behind only New England from 2007 and Washington from 1991. The Ravens, meanwhile, are number 11 on that list. So this is a titanic matchup of two teams who are performing extremely efficiently. The 49ers and the Ravens are both ranked in the top five of DVOA this season in offense and defense. I think that if there is one potential fracture point, it is that the Ravens have the number one run offense and the 49ers have the number 18 run defense. And this is a direct extension of the issues that the 49ers had in Arizona where they gave up over 200 rushing yards. And uh, we all know that the Ravens like to run with their quarterback and they like to run with their running backs. They, they just lost Keaton Mitchell, uh, who was their top running back uh, to an ACL. So they're going to go to Gus Edwards. And th th it's not like th they're short on running backs. The Ravens have a lot of guys who could run the football. So the primary ball carrier is going to be Gus Edwards, who's 240 pounds. He's built like a bowling ball. Gave the 49ers some trouble back in 2019 when they last played the Ravens on the road. So the 49ers who are struggling to tackle right now is a season high 16 missed tackles against Arizona. I think it's definitely correlated with fatigue that they're going to get an extra day of rest before this game, since it's a Monday night game, but they're going to have to face a Ravens team that is uh, pacing the league as far as rushing efficiency. And I think that that one little matchup right there is what can keep the Ravens in this game. The 49ers are favored because they are historically explosive offensively. They're favored, I think, by five and a half points right now. So just because they have a disadvantage, Matt, in terms of defending the run on paper, even if that plays out, doesn't necessarily mean that the 49ers will lose this game because they're so explosive with Brock Purdy and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Ayuk and Kittle that they can just gloss over that deficiency like they did against the Arizona Cardinals. But I think it's going to be harder to do that against the Ravens, who are just better than the Cardinals in, in, in all phases of the game. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't uh, mark any statistical disadvantage or flaw for the 49ers as a fatal one because they're so damn good and explosive offensively. But I'm definitely keeping an eye out on that matchup between the Ravens run offense and the 49ers run defense, because I think that's one that can at the very least put the 49ers in some choppy waters on Monday night. And we should uh, update everybody on the situation at defensive tackle, which I think obviously played a big role in, in what uh, we saw on the field uh, against the Cardinals run game on Sunday. Um, uh, I guess today, on, on Wednesday, the 49ers put Kalia Davis on injured reserve. Um, the, the 49ers knew that they would be without him for a few weeks. He suffered a, a high ankle sprain. I believe that occurred in the second quarter of that game. He didn't play in the second half. Uh, so they basically were playing that game with three defensive tackles, uh, Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Givens, and T.Y. McGill, who got brought up from the uh, practice squad for that game. Uh, we saw a little bit of... Um, Randy Gregory uh, as a defensive tackle, a little bit of Nick Bosa as a defensive tackle, usually on obvious passing downs. And they were, uh, might be middle linebacker, might be the more accurate position because they were standing up. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a big issue, uh, obviously. Um, Eric Armstead and Javon 
or Javon Hargrave have a chance to play in this game. Uh, we're going to find out more tomorrow when they hold their first practice uh, to see where whether those guys are on the field, whether they're on a side field. We were seeing Hargrave do some side field work last week. He was running the hoop. He was uh, doing some sprinting. He seemed closer than Armstead to coming back. We, we never saw Armstead's rehab work. Um, but uh, if I had to put uh, a guess on it, um, and, and David, I'll, I'll get your assessment, but I would say that Hargrave probably is a little bit closer than Armstead to, to being back on, on Monday. Yeah, that's what it seemed like last week, just as we were watching the work off on the side. Now, I will say, though, that Armstead is more important in terms of run defense than Javon Hargrave. Eric Armstead is maybe the best interior run defender in the league, at least as far as a guy with versatility and pass rushing capabilities go, right? He he single-handedly transformed the 49ers run defense from a below average unit to the number one run defense in the league back in 2021 when he moved inside. So if you're talking about the defensive tackle position leaking oil, particularly against the run, Eric Armstead is the single biggest key to, to fix it. And I don't know where exactly he is in his recovery. Kyle Shanahan has been really vague uh, when he's given us updates on that. First day of practice for the week is is uh, on Thursday, so we'll find out a little bit more then. Maybe we'll see those guys on the practice field or working off on the side. Maybe Kyle Shanahan will divulge something, but this is obviously a big, big deal against the Ravens who have a good offensive line. Again, number one in rushing efficiency. They also have a very, very big running back in Gus Edwards at those 238 pounds that the 49ers are going to have to muscle up and stop. But, you know, that leads me right into the bigger picture here, Matt. And we saw the Seattle Seahawks beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. That means the 49ers have a lot of margin for error now as far as holding on to this number one seed and the first round bye. The 49ers simply have to win two of their final three games and they will have that first round bye and they will have home field advantage throughout the NFL playoffs. So they can theoretically lose this game. And as long as they turn around and beat Washington and then beat the LA Rams, the 49ers will have that bye. And the reason I'm talking so much about the bye is I look at the 49ers tackling issues this season and they, to me, it, it's clear as day. They've been correlated with fatigue First five weeks of the season, this was an elite tackling team. They were under 10 missed tackles every game. Then week six to eight, they're over 10 missed tackles per game. They're obviously getting more and more tired by the week up until they missed 13 against the Bengals. They they badly needed the bye week. They got the bye week. They came out of the bye week the first three games and, again, were elite as far as not missing tackles. But the past three weeks, it's been 12, 14, and 16 missed tackles, which have been the biggest part of, of these run defense issues, Matt. And as that number grows, I just look at the schedule and I say, it's obvious this team is tired. The defense is tired and they can really use that bye week. And that bye week will come in all likelihood now, thanks to the Seahawks beating the Eagles and thanks to the 49ers own six game winning streak. I think that that spells, uh, you know, some really good fortune and uh, it also indicates that some very good times are coming up for this 49ers defense in the playoffs if they can stay healthy, obviously, if they can return to health. And I don't know if that's going to happen against the Ravens, but I think it is worth mentioning that the 49ers are in line for it to happen come the divisional playoffs. 
I think that they will uh, bounce back and have a good tackling performance against the Ravens. Um, a, because they were, were such poor tacklers against the Cardinals. That'll be uh, at the top of their list this week. Uh, and B, they're, they're, the, the Ravens are going to get their attention. Uh, they run the ball really well, obviously. Their quarterback is probably their most talented rusher. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, kind of long term, uh, going into the playoffs, um, if, if we've already had these spates where that defense is, is tired, um, not really kind of following through on plays, kind of standing around at the end of plays, sometimes very non-49ers-like things. Uh, we've already seen those in, in October and it's rearing its ugly head again in late December. Um, I agree that, uh, boy, a, a bye week would be just the uh, the right thing for this team to have. And, and I think that that game in Washington will be interesting because um, uh, the 49ers have a long week this week. They'll have a short week next week and uh, they'll have to go to the East Coast and play a team that really doesn't have much beyond its... Uh, it's rushing attack. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see whether they can put uh, two back-to-back good, solid tackling games together uh, this late in the season. Um, you know, Fred Warner, I think, you know, tends to, uh, and trust me, I'm, I'm a big uh, Fred Warner admirer, but um, he's so tall that he does tend to get too high when he's making tackle attempts. And a lot of times, He's big enough to knock these guys down, even if it's not uh, a textbook tackle. But when he misses, he misses high. He uh, leaves his feet a lot, which sort of negates his power. And he glances off the side of, of guys. And this is um, this is a reoccurring theme for him. He's second in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, and, and missed tackles. That's, that's not a stat you want next to your name. So it really it starts with him and, um, you know, He's such a professional that I, I think that he's going to bounce back, certainly for this game. We got a, uh, a question from Jonathan C. I, I think this is a good one. He's wondering about Isaiah Oliver. And he says, uh, uh, wondering your thoughts about Isaiah Oliver in the slot this week to help with the Ravens running game. He's obviously the bigger of the two nickel candidates and um, also might be handy against uh, Isaiah Likely. Uh, the Ravens tight end that they like to go to a lot. David, what do you think about the the chances that this is an Oliver game and not a Lenore game? Well, I think it could be a game for both of them. I just think it depends on the personnel packages on the field, but they've long talked about trying to be adaptable. And I don't think that the opportunities have necessarily presented themselves for the 49ers to be as adaptable as Steve Wilkes has wanted them to be but the Ravens have historically and it's not as much this time as it was in 2019 but they've historically especially with Lamar Jackson their quarterback have been a tight end oriented team because they want to be big right on the field so they can block uh, for their rushing attack not just for Jackson but for all those running backs so when the 49ers saw this Ravens team in 2019 it was it was Lamar Jackson throwing mainly to Mark Andrews the tight end who's who's on IR now so he's not available for the Ravens this year, I think Baltimore has a more robust uh, core of, of wide receivers. You got Zay Flowers, the leading receiver. Odell Beckham is is one of the wideouts for Baltimore. So I, I don't think you can commit too heavily to a bigger defensive package to combat the run. Otherwise, they're they're going to burn you in coverage downfield. So well, I think the Forty ers might go 
by personnel package here, especially if you start to struggle against the run with with your standard nickel package and uh, you think you need a little bit more beef, that's when you might make a a move to Isaiah Oliver. But it's definitely going to be a situationally specific thing in this game. And it's just really hard to answer a question like that in a general sense because it it might turn into a a snap-by-snap kind of decision. Andy S. has a question. He says, uh, what specific matchup problems does the Ravens' defense present with their excellent safety and linebackers? Um, uh, Ravens have two really good inside linebackers, and they've got a sensational young safety in uh, Kyle Hamilton, sort of one of these do-everything safeties. Uh, He's actually been playing a lot of nickel. Um, does that, uh, give you any pause that uh, here is a team that at least has, I mean, the 49ers have been playing, uh, a lot of teams in a row now that just don't have very good inside linebackers and the 49ers have, have absolutely sliced them up in that regard. Uh, how do you think that it'll work against, uh, a team that's got some good athletes, some good players in the middle of the defense? Well, this is. Yeah, arguably the best defense in the league. Uh, I know that the Cleveland Browns are at the top of all the metrics, but they have had big time performance efficiency discrepancies between the home and, and the road. The Browns have been historically good at home defensively, and they haven't really packed up the defense and traveled with it all too well. That being said, the 49ers had to play the Browns on, on the road. So I guess the historically good part of it does apply. But a a lot of the metrics, when you look at defensively, the Ravens have been catching the Browns over the course of this season. It it is a defense without a pronounced weakness. You look at it, and I think Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback, might be be the worst player on the defense, and he's a good player, right? I'm just trying to illustrate that every single starting position on this defense is solid. Jadavian Clowney is having a good year as one of the edge rushers that I think they're they're stout up the middle. You you mentioned the linebackers, they're good. The safeties are good. It's just a good defense. It's kind of like the Browns defense is a really good defense as well. When the 49ers struggled against the Browns, they obviously saw Trent Williams get hurt. They obviously saw Debo Samuel get hurt and Christian McCaffrey get hurt. It's really, really tough to be on the road in wet conditions against uh, possibly the top defense in the league and then lose your guys midstream after you've game-planned with them in the mix, right? So the 49ers had to change gears. They ultimately, I think, succeeded offensively in that. They were able to drive down the field and set up the field goal that they missed, but it was still the only negative efficiency game on the aggregate that the 49ers had played all season. So I look at this as a chance for the 49ers offense to show that they can they they can take what what has been historic explosiveness and efficiency over the course of this season they can take that and also deliver it against the really good defense because week 6 they, they they didn't exactly succeed in that regard they did just enough to set up Moody at the end of the game but again on the aggregate it was a ne- negative efficiency game so this is a chance for that 49ers offense to win an arm wrestling match against truly quality opposition on the other side of the ball. And I think that's why we're so excited about this game, Matt, because uh, it's our first chance to see that in, in a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the Kyle Shanahan specialty. He, he finds your weakness uh, and a, he's good at exploiting it. And, and B he's really got the weapons to exploit it. He, he can exploit any weakness on the team. So the question is, where is the Ravens weakness 
uh, against the Rams, the Rams started out with nine straight runs. And I, I, I was looking at the stats before I, I watched that game from start to finish. And I figured, okay, uh, maybe the Ravens don't see a lot of outside zone. And, and that's why uh, they were vulnerable against the run in that game. The Rams really didn't run that very much. Uh, and when they did, they didn't have all that much success. Their success came on the first drive, and it was all sort of up-the-middle runs. And um, then they went away from it. Uh, and I guess the uh, the Ravens adjusted a little bit. But my point is that um, this offense, the Rams version of it at least, did have some success on the ground. Kyron, Kyron Williams is a terrific runner in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, probably somebody that the 49ers are going to be facing for uh, the next uh, few seasons for sure. Um, and obviously the 49ers have a pretty good runner of their own. And, uh, I just wonder whether that's going to be something that they, that they target. Um, Justin Matabike, fantastic season. He's got 12 sacks. He's got 30 quarterback hits this, this year. He's um, a defensive tackle. He's a little bit undersized. Uh, I just wonder whether that, uh, that Aaron Banks, Matabike uh, matchup is something that the 49ers are, are eyeing, that they can get some some inside runs. They were good on the inside runs against the Cardinals. Uh, so uh, that would be a, a nice way to uh, chew up some clock, keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands, and uh, move the ball downfield. You know, here's the thing I, about this matchup. It, it, I don't think it matters if the Ravens, have a weakness or not because i think what the 49ers have done with this all-star team that they've compiled is they win the geometry matchup offensively as long as kyle shanahan calls a balanced game now that's obviously a tenuous edge because one guy can get hurt and all of a sudden it's a lot harder to win the geometry matchup but when you have mccaffrey when you have debo samuel when you have george kittle uh when you have brandon Ayuk, when you have kyle Juszczyk, then you have a quarterback in Brock Purdy, who I think is processing and scanning the field better than any other quarterback in the NFL this season. When you have all that, it, you're, you, you can't lose offensively, right? Your offensive line would have to get beaten um, just really soundly in, in less than 1.5 seconds. But even when the offensive line is getting beaten this year, the pass protection hasn't been great. Purdy is still winning. He's still processing quickly enough to find the inevitable open man because they have so many guys that, that, that can get open. So, you know, you can talk all day about the, the Ravens not having a weakness defensively, or you could try to find these little small weaknesses. I think ultimately it's more about the 49ers when they're healthy. And if they continue to execute the way they've been executing, and if Brock Purdy continues to see the field, the way that he's been seeing it, he's going to great offense is going to be great defense. I think the, the league is set up for great offense to be great defense. So um, that's why you hear the 49ers, Matt, so often talk about themselves. Like, you know, they're not that worried about who they're playing because they have such belief in themselves. They know that they have the geometric advantage. They have the angles on the field. They have the spacing on the field because so many guys are creating gravity that if they do their job, if the 49ers just execute the way that they know they can, they're going to move the ball and they're going to score points. I agree. Um, that's a lot of talent on that side of it. Um, Joe I has a question. He asks, uh, do the Ravens have a weakened run game with the loss of Keaton Mitchell, or is it a minimal impact 
Um, Mitchell, at least in the games that I watch, seemed to be the sort of the, the change of pace guy, the home run guy. Um, he was averaging 8.4 yards a carry this year. So uh, he's got speed. He was a good changeup, uh, sort of perfect for that offense. Uh, I, I believe that the guy who's going to replace him specifically is Justice Hill, uh, who's been with the Ravens a little while. But yeah, for sure, it, 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 uh, it weakens them a little bit. Um, they, they just don't have really that, uh, that home run hitter anymore. Well, I, I, I take that back. Their home run hitter is their quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. And, and David, let's talk about him for a minute. I, I got a lot of questions in my mailbag this week about the approach to Lamar Jackson and whether it will be a Jalen Hurts like approach where, uh, very sort of careful, measured, pass rush by the 49ers designed to kind of keep him hemmed in. Uh, my thought is that no, the 49ers won't, it won't be that dramatic. Uh, because I, I do think that more so than hurts, um, Jackson, unless it's a design run, he's primarily looking to throw, uh, especially at this point in his career. And he's got such a quick release. Everything about him is about quickness. He's got a quick release. Um, he can, he can, you know, fire a, um, a, a deep, you know, 55, 60 yard pass, uh, just by sort of flicking his wrist. And, um, it's something he's really good at. And he's, he's sensational at changing speed when he's a runner. Just when he, it looks like he's kind of given up on a play, he makes a cut and he, he picks up five more yards. So, um, I, I, I just can't see the 49ers holding him to 20 yards, which is what Jalen Hurts, uh, gained a few weeks ago. I think that they're going to get dinged a little bit. But uh, the question is, do they sort of, uh, I don't want to say overcompensate, or do they make stopping Lamar Jackson's legs a priority the way that they did Jalen Hurts? Well, first and foremost, Lamar Jackson is a lot better quarterback and a lot better player than Jalen Hurts. I think that the past few weeks have really underscored that. Hurts, with the best offensive line in football and with everything working from for him from a health perspective, Put up some good numbers last year, but Nick Bosa straight up said it. He said that the 49ers showed everybody the formula, showed everybody the the, the recipe for for making Hurts struggle, and that's put him in the pocket and, and force him to play quarterback. That's what Robbie Gold actually said about Jalen Hurts last year. The 49ers were confident that they could master Jalen Hurts in, in, in that way, and I, I, I don't think you can apply the same thing to Lamar Jackson. Now, of course... There are general principles of keeping a quarterback in a pocket, not rushing like a chicken with your head cut off to make sure that uh, you do contain Lamar Jackson so he can't run wild. But I just think Lamar Jackson's ability to play the game from the pocket is very much superior to Jalen Hurts' ability to, to play the game for the pocket for a lot of the reasons you just outlined. He's got touch on his throws to, to different parts of the field. He's got a quicker release than Jalen Hurts. Uh, there, you know, the the one stat that I, I really like to help illustrate this this game and, and Jackson's release and how it might challenge the 49ers is uh, Brock Purdy leads the NFL in deep pass efficiency, 21 yards per attempt on deep passes. He also leads the NFL in intermediate pass efficiency at 12.8 yards uh, per intermediate throw. But he's number two. Purdy is in short pass efficiency at 7.5 yards per throw. Number one in short pass efficiency in the NFL is Lamar Jackson. The only area where Brock Purdy hasn't been more most efficient is on short throws, 
where Jackson is averaging 7.6 yards per attempt, just a little bit above him. And to me, that's really, really impressive for a QB that obviously is as dangerous with his legs as Jackson is. He's not just some guy who's running around and then winding up and chucking it downfield after the play breaks down, which is where I think where a lot of Jalen Hurts' success has come from. Lamar Jackson is throwing on time. He's winning with the short game, and that creates a whole ton of problems for uh, opposing defenses because you know there's nothing more frustrating, and we saw this early in the season when the 49ers didn't have their coverage alignments, right? Nothing more frustrating for a pass rush uh, then a QB was getting rid of the ball in, in under two and a half seconds before they can get to him. So the fact that Lamar can win with the short game by putting the ball uh, you know, on target and on time and the fact that he can run around a bit and beat you in other ways, I think you're exactly right. I think the Ravens are, are going to pick up some yardage. They're going to score some points in this game. Uh, and it's going to strain that 49ers defense to the max, especially since the Ravens can also run the ball. So what a test this is for the 49ers. Uh, again, the, this 49ers team might be the third best ever at, through this point of the season based on the numbers, but the Ravens are the 11th best ever. These are two really, really, really good football teams. This is this is a titanic matchup, and I don't think anything's going to come easily for, for either side of the ball. Timothy P. has a question. Uh, I think it's a good one, uh, very basic one. Why is it, he writes, uh, that this team seems to be gassed this year? Um, we really haven't seen that, um, you know, during the Kyle Shanahan uh, era, maybe in, in 2020 when they had all those injuries and it was uh, the COVID year and they were in, you know, Arizona and so on and so so forth. Lots of good reasons that year for the team to be gassed. I know that this team has had uh, a few East Coast games. Is is that the, the primary reason, David, that you think – the defense has looked fatigued uh, at times this year when I don't really remember it looking that way at all the last two seasons. Yeah, but these seasons are just such marathons. It's, it's, I think that every year it seems that the, the playing field tilts more in favor of the offense. And, um, it, I, and I also think that teams you know, counter-adjust and adjust. You know, the, that chess match is going on at all times. The 49ers really, I think, shocked everyone in 2019 with the wide nine pass rush that they brought to the table. And I don't think anybody really adapted to it, right? Even the Chiefs struggled in the Super Bowl that year. Uh, they, got a, they got a couple big plays at the end, but I don't think they figured out the 49ers pass rush. It, it wasn't until subsequent years where the quick release stuff and all that really started to, to put more of a strain on the 49ers and the way that they did things in 2019. So you know, I just think it's the natural evolution of the game. Teams have, you know, identified ways to effectively attack the 49ers over the course of the season, how to best diffuse that pass rush. That's why Kyle Shanahan went out and hired Steve Wilkes, a DB oriented guy, because he he knew that he had to make the counter adjustment to all the league's adjustments. He knew he had to get tighter in coverage on the back end. He needed to uh, make that a little bit more complex, confuse opposing quarterbacks and hold on to the ball, another hitch. But the, just like the general progression, I think offenses have gotten better at attacking the 49ers. And when, um, you know, you, you run a lot at a team that's pass rush oriented, you're going to wear them down, you know. And, and another component of all of this that's, I think, very tied into it is that the 49ers are historically explosive offensively. And what does that mean? That means they score quickly. 
I mean, they're, they're, they're picking up chunk yards, chunk yards, chunk yards. They're near the top of NFL history in terms of yards per attempt. So uh, that also means that this is not the same grinded out offense that it used to be. And when you are grinding it out, you're keeping your defense on the sideline for a little bit. But then, you know, nobody's going to complain about scoring too explosively or too quickly, maybe except for some of those defensive linemen who are sucking a little bit more wind than usual. So, um, you know, it's the cumulative result that matters. And the 49ers defense might seem a little bit more tired than it did before, probably because it is. But also they've won 11 games by by an average margin of victory of 20 points. And that's that's historic that's not supposed to happen in the nfl so if that's the trade-off for the defense being a little bit more tired uh you'll happily take it if you're the 49ers yeah it's not as if <laughs> the 49ers defense has been struggling a lot um uh, terrence p makes a good point he says that uh, the 49ers have been playing a lot of teams coming off of buys too and it does seem like the 49ers uh, fatigue issues on defense were most pronounced in the games in which they were facing really fresh teams, uh, the Browns, the Bengals, and then uh, the Cardinals on Sunday. So um, I'm sure that's uh, that's one of the factors as well. Uh, we've been talking for about uh, 35, 40 minutes. David, do you want to get into your prediction? Um, ha- have you kind of thought about how this team, uh, how this game is going to go and and what the outcome is going to be? Yeah, so I've thought about it. I haven't really settled on anything, but I like deadline pressure for these kind of things because I can go back and forth for a while. It's, I mean, it's, I think, a great 49ers team against a very good Ravens team. And hell, the Ravens might walk in there and beat them, and then we'll have to be calling the Ravens great as well. And and maybe this is a Super Bowl match uh, a preview as well. But the, the 49ers offense is performing at such a high level right now and I, I just don't see anything extra special about the I, I think the Ravens defense is really good but again I, I don't see anything that can disrupt the geometry of of the 49ers offense and and the decision making that Purdy um is is executing right now nothing is working against them teams are trying to blitz teams are trying to drop in coverage and he's the most efficient against both of them uh but both of those approaches so I just think the 49ers offense is going to keep on rolling. Um, I, I think that, you know, the extra day of rest will help the defense. I'm not sure what the defensive tackle situation is going to be like, but if they are missing Hargrave and Armstead or one of those guys again, in a weird way, the dynamic that I just mentioned um, m- might actually start skewing a little bit more in the 49ers' favor. And I'm talking about the the offense and the explosiveness because the Ravens are good enough defensively to maybe – they get the 49ers to be a little bit less explosive, but I think the 49ers will still score against them. But I think it might be a little bit more of a possession game for the 49ers, right? And that's something they're going to have to keep in mind if they are shorthanded a defensive tackle against the run offense that's this good. The 49ers will want to possess the ball a little bit longer. They will want to run, grind some clock. They, they don't want to end up on the exhausted end of this equation against the team that, that, that can kill you with its legs, that can run so well. So... Given all that, I, I just think that the 49ers will do what it takes offensively to shield their defense enough to win a narrow game on Monday night. I, there's nothing that Brock Purdy has shown that would indicate otherwise. He's been in total command of all these situations when, when he's got all his weapons in there and the 49ers are firing on all cylinders, which they are right now. So I think the 49ers are going to win this one, Matt. I think it's going to be 31-28. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Okay, another game uh, at 30 or higher against a good defense. That's a, uh, that's a, uh, a big call um, by you. Um, I just got a little bit of news. I was wondering about uh, Ndamukong Sue, who's making the um, the kind of the workout rounds. He uh, worked out for Miami this week and was wondering if the 49ers were having him in for a workout. The answer is no, uh, at least not yet. So that might kind of inform us that um, the 49ers are optimistic about their defensive tackles, at least one of them. Uh, so I, I'm going to go uh, under the assumption that at least uh, Javon Hargrave is back for this game. Uh, which will be a big help. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I don't know um, uh, if I'm right with the, with a score prediction, but I, I do think that the, the way that the 49ers defense played against the Cardinals um, in combination with the challenge that the Ravens offense, especially their run offense, presents is going to really kind of awaken the 49ers defense. They're going to be ready for this game. Um, they're ready to, to prove that, uh, you know, that they're just as talented as their uh, offensive mates, um, that they can shut down a, uh, an elite running attack like the Ravens. Um, no one's rushed for 100 yards against them since, was it Justin Fields back in uh, October of, of 2021? Uh, that's a, that's a, a, a streak that they're proud of, and um, they want to make sure that the Ravens don't break it. 
so that's really where kind of to me the game lies. Can that 49ers defense stop a really good rushing attack? Uh, I think the Ravens are going to want to control the clock, control the ball, keep the ball out of Brock Purdy's and, and Christian McCaffrey's and Debo Samuel's hands as much as possible. And it's up to the 49ers uh, defense uh, to do that. And it's something that they didn't really do against uh, against the Cardinals. But like I said, I think that that challenge is enough to sort of stimulate them and that they're going to rise to the occasion. Uh, I'm going to say it's close, though. I, I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, 27-26. This is going to come down to a uh, a Nick Moody, Nick Moody, a Jake Moody field goal at the end. That's uh, that's what I'm predicting. Uh, oh hell, I think I'm predicting that too. If I said 31-28, so yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it, Jake Moody, right? I think NFL record is first fifty three extra point attempts he's made is a fifty three, right? I think you. Yeah, he's at fifty three. Yeah, without a miss, yeah. so he still has to. He has to be uh, be accurate for these last three games. Yeah, so so he's doing well on the extra points. It's about all the 49ers are giving him a chance for since they're just scoring so many touchdowns. I know he kicked the field goal in, in Arizona, uh, but that was the first one in a while. I, I'd forgotten the last time that Moody had kicked one. You know, he hadn't missed anything since Minnesota. Early on in Minnesota, he missed one that was coming off the, the miss against the Browns, but then he kicked, what was it, like a 57 or a 58-yarder? maybe 59. It was a really long, I think it was 57 inside on Monday night football. It was one of those where like, wow, Kyle Shannon, it was like fourth and five too. It wasn't like a hard or, you know, a, an impossible fourth down to convert, but he sent Jake Moody out there after he had missed a couple in a row. And, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to find out yet, but I said at the time, maybe, maybe that's the vote of confidence, that kick when Shanahan let him out there that, that will get this rookie on the right track. And now we're sitting here, what, two months later uh, without having the answer to that question yet because Moody just hasn't had a chance to kick field goals. But maybe in this game, he'll, he'll have a chance at a big one. So we'll see. I, I, everything's lining up for this to be really dramatic. So um, we'll see what happens on Monday night because I think the entire country is going to be watching after uh, uh, the Christmas holiday there. That, that's going to wrap it up. It is a Christmas present, that's for sure, for, for NFL fans, Matt. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it, it reminds me that uh, when I was doing Jake Moody stories back in the spring, because the 49ers were obviously looking at him in the draft, um, you know, the guy that people compared him to was Justin Tucker. Like, this is the guy that doesn't get rattled. And and I do think that at early in the season, I don't want to say he was rattled, but he certainly wasn't um, always comfortable. And, and even some of the extra points uh, were, um, you know, n- narrow makes. Um, more recently, uh, he's just the body language and, and the way that the field goals are going through right down the middle. Um, it, it just feel, it, it seems like he's hit a, uh, a rhythm a stride and, um, is more comfortable than he was to begin the season, which is obviously what you would expect from a rookie. But, um, you know, uh, every rookie has to sort of find that groove and it does appear as if Jake Moody has found it. Absolutely. And now he just needs the opportunity to showcase it. So this has been fun. Uh, It's about to get really, really fun after this. The 49ers, I mean, if they win this, then they'll have uh, a little bit of a chance to exhale because all they'll have to do is win one out of the last two. If they don't, then the pressure is going to be on and we'll be doing a lot of scoreboard watching of the Eagles, the Cowboys 
and the Lions, but it's one week at a time. And, and this next week is a game that everybody's had circled on their calendars. We decided to save all the MVP talk for, for after this game. Let's let's let this this might be a regular season legacy game. Those are rare, but the 49ers and the Ravens have both earned the right to play a regular season legacy game. Uh, who, who knows? The, the winner of this game, the, the quarterback of, of that team might leave this game as the favorite for the NFL MVP award. So we'll just wait until after it's done to sort that all out. Anyway, well, we, we should we, yeah. we should mention we should. that uh, David has a, a big uh, MVP story, a very intriguing MVP story uh, coming out in the athletic. Uh, this week, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, that ought to uh, ought to slake all of your <laughs> all of the listeners' uh, MVP um, thirst uh, right now. But uh, let's yeah, just put it this way: to tease that story, uh, an yeah, MVP yeah. tie is possible, and it's happened before. Um, I, hell, I'll, I'll I'll just I, I promised I wouldn't talk about it, but you, you, you <laughs> tempted me enough. In 1997, Brett Favre and Barry Sanders split the MVP. So that's a running back and a quarterback, obviously. Uh, and in 2003, Steve McNair and Peyton Manning, two quarterbacks with MVP. So ties are technically possible. They're unlikely. Just depends on uh, the, the the vote count at the end of the day. But there is a lot of speculation just due to the the, the way that the waters are flowing, right? There, there seem to be a lot of media people. I think even Tom Brady came out and said, I think Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP. Um, even though Brock Purdy has got this overwhelmingly good statistical case, there are a lot of people that uh, attribute a lot of that statistical success to Christian McCaffrey, and it might split the vote. And there might be there's a non-zero chance, I think, that they both end up with the same amount of votes. And wouldn't it be something if the 49ers finished with co-MVPs? It's unlikely, but it is possible. And you can read the rest of the article to to find out about the rationale. Well, that certainly would be poetic on this team where uh, it seems like somebody else is the hero every week uh, that uh, that it's split between two of those teammates. Wow. Well, yeah, and, you know, it's it's like the Spider-Man meme. I, I posted this after the game. Live look at the 49ers locker room. It's two Spider-Men pointing at each other, and that's Brock Purdy pointing at Christian McCaffrey, calling him the MVP, and then McCaffrey pointing back, and you can't tell the difference because they're both – MVP candidates, but uh, that's it's what Kyle Shanahan has striven for, right? He's and he and Lynch they wanted to build adaptable, uh, an adaptable offense filled with skill position players. And uh, what more adaptability can there be if you've got multiple skill position players who have a can lay claim to the MVP? <laughs> that's adaptability at, at its very highest level, right? And that's what the 49ers are working with right now. Yeah, and it's all going to be on uh, on Christmas night on prime time. So uh, this is the this is the last uh, big case that both of those guys uh, can make uh, to a, a national audience. Yep, it's going to be fun. All right, for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. Been another episode of Here's the Catch. We'll talk to you all very soon.